Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. How do you, you gotta wonder, did they hide in the field? And then when the disciples like pull some grain, they went, aha, we got you eating granola, you sinner. I mean, how did, how did that happen? Anyways, the problem wasn't that they were eating the grain. The problem was they were eating the grain. Anybody know? On the Sabbath. They were violating the Sabbath, rubbing the grain together. Rubbing the grain together was considered working on the Sabbath. Jesus said in Matthew 12, please look it up in your own time. Jesus said, fellas, you have not read. Or he said, have you not read? Now listen, when Jesus says, have you not read? That's a mock and a rebuke and an insult to them. He says, have you not read? He's saying to them, you don't know your Bibles. You guys are supposed to be religious folk, and you don't know this stuff. The reason you're accusing us of breaking the Sabbath is because you don't know the Scriptures. And then Jesus told them the story of 1 Samuel chapter 21. Look it up in your own time. He then tells them this story. Jesus said, remember David was running from Saul and hungry, and he went into the house of the Lord, and he ate bread that was for the priest only? And Jesus was making the point that Ahimelech broke the priestly custom and he did the right thing. Why? Because human need was more important than Levitical observance. Well, look at verse 7. Because verse 7, the plot thickens. There's a certain man, a servant of Saul whose name was Doag. He was an Edomite. And the Bible tells us that he was a chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. So it's possible, listen, that David knew him and maybe they recognized each other. But either way, David catches sight of Doeg, the Edomite, and David knows his position has been compromised. And soon and very soon, Saul will know where David's location is. Now, the word chief could mean violent, mighty or violent. And that would be true of Doeg in the Hebrew language, mighty or violent. And that will be true of Doag because as you look at chapter 22, okay, guys, come with me. Go to chapter 22 and look at verse 18. Chapter 22, look at verse 18. And the king said to Doag, look at verse 18. You looking at it? Say, I'm looking at it. And the king said to Doag, you turn and kill the priest. And so Doag the Edomite turned and he struck the priest and he killed one that day, 85 men. That's why I said there was 86 because Abimelech or Ahimelech would be that 86. He killed 85 men who, who, who wore the linen ephod, the priest. Also Nob, the city of the priest, 
He struck with the edge of the sword both men, women, children, and nursing infants, ox, oxen, donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. So Doeg slaughtered the priest. He slaughtered the women, the children, the livestock. He slaughtered all, you know, the whole community. And the priest of Nob helped David, and that's why Doeg killed him, because they helped David. There was a priest named Abathar. We'll read about him later, who escaped by slaughter. And when David left Nob, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but when David left Nob, he went into hiding. Matter of fact, we'll talk about it not next week, but the week after. Maybe the week after that. When he left Nob, he went into hiding in the cave of Adullam, and he heard about this slaughter. Okay? Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8, 1 Samuel chapter 21, look at verse 8, uh, 8 through 10. So David said to Ahimelech, I want you to read it again. Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, nope, we only have Goliath's sword. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. David asked Ahimelech, is there a spear or a sword that he can take? And he gave them the excuse why he didn't have one. Did you notice? He said he had to leave quickly and he didn't have time to grab anything. Now, that's a lie. And there's some truth to it as well. He did have to leave quickly. But it wasn't for the reasons that he said. In verse 9, Ahimelech said, we've got Goliath's sword wrapped up behind the door. David said, great, there's nothing like it. I'll take it. Give it to me. Now, listen, David had the sword of Goliath. He would have been better to have the same faith that he had when he killed Goliath. Thank you, Lord. He would have been better to have the same faith that he had when he killed Goliath. David didn't kill Goliath with lies and half-truths. He did it with trust. And I told you that David's losing his confidence in God and, 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 and self-respect and self-confidence. David is losing confidence in the plan and the purpose and the promises of God. And he's trusting in the Philistine swords more than a shepherd's tools. And that's not good. Because some men trust in chariots. And some men trust in horses. But we were what? It actually says we will trust the name of our God. But I'll take it, the Lord. See, David's now trusting in the flesh. He's trusting in the things of the Lord. Y'all picking that up? He's trusting in the things of the Lord now. Because God took down Goliath with a shepherd's tool, a sling, and a stone. That's a shepherd's tool. When the foxes come around trying to eat the sheep, the shepherds would take the sling, sling a stone, and, you know, hit the foxes or whatever was it trying to attack the sheep. They would protect the sheep with a shepherd's tool. But now David is looking toward the Philistine's sword. Well, look at verse 9. Verse 9 kind of struck me. Look at verse 9. There is none like it. Give it to me. We live in a culture where people want to take away the word of God. Am I right about it? 
we live in a culture where people want to disregard the word of God. David said concerning Goliath's sword, there is none like it, give it to me. You know, we should always say that same thing about the sword of the spirit, the word of God. There's none like it, give it to me. If they want to throw the word away, there's none like it, give it to me. Oh, come on, clap your hands, say amen. There's none like it. Give it to me, y'all. The world wants to throw the word of God away. The world wants to get God out of our culture. Take God out of schools. They've already done that. Somewhat. I mean, if a, if a child wants to pray, he's going to pray. You can't stop me from praying. You can stop me from having, say, public gatherings. Uh, you can stop me from... Uh, you know, standing in the middle of the classroom and praying loudly. But if I want to pray, I'm going to pray. Nobody can stop me from praying. So did they really take prayer out of school? Probably not. Not really. Not really. They don't want the word of God? Give it to me. We'll look at verse 10 through 15, and then I'm done. Look at verse 10. Then David arose. He fled that day from before Saul, and he went to Achish, the king. Now, look, y'all, he jumps from the pan into the fire. Look at verse 10. So now, David, you're going to Gath? For real. He went to Achish, the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands? And David can't get away from this song. <laughs> this is a top 10, man. This is like on the billboards, 100. And, and, and he is like, you know, in the top 10, at least. We hear about it almost every chapter. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now, David, in verse 12, took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them and pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. I love me some David. I don't know what, I don't care what y'all say. I love me some David because David know what to do when you get in, in, a, in a pickle. <laughs> when last time you were there, in a pickle? <laughs> David know what to do. David said, I'm, 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 I'm anointed, but, but, but don't, don't, don't let the anointing fool you. <laughs> Amen. I'm like that too. Don't hit me with no cart in Walmart. Mm-mm, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Uh-uh, don't do that. Cause I'm a pastor, but I love the Lord. But you hit me with a cart, we're gonna have a problem. I have to call some of my boys. I probably better call somebody so I can keep the church name clear. I'm trying to devise a plan right now in case I need some backup. <laughs> David. <laughs> David, he's scratching on the doors of the gate. 
He let saliva run down his beard. And that's, that's actually really important. He let saliva run down on his beard. And then Achish said to his servants, look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Like, don't be bringing me nobody crazy. Have I, have I need of a madman that you have bought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my presence? Now, David went to Achish. Give me your attention and I'm going to let you go. He goes to Achish, the king of Gath. The king of Achish is the king of the Philistines. The Philistines, you know, have been the longtime arch enemies of the people of Israel and of God. They're, these are the same guys that just two chapters ago, David took 200 of their foreskins, which would lead at right there, all right? Right now, David is so full of fear, he's finding refuge with, with the enemy. And you know things are bad when you go to the enemy for refuge. You know things are bad when the enemy seems like friends. And isn't that the way it always works, though? When things are going the way that we think they ought to go, we find ourselves running back to the world. We find ourselves, I see it time and time, unfortunately, I see it time and time and time and time again as a pastor, when people you know, are walking with God and they're excited about the things of God and they're sitting on the front row and they're taking notes and they're, you know, the next, and now I'm so happy. And it's just, it's, that is no greater joy than to see um, people excited about the things of God. No greater joy for a pastor, none. And then after a while and Satan begins to do whatever, you don't see them after a while. Before you know it, they're back out in the world. Why? It's like, why? Why are you going back out in the world when it was the world that you were running from when you came to Christ? Y'all didn't pick that up. It was the world that you were running from when you first came to Christ. What is it that you think that they have now that they, that they didn't have when you left? Huh? There's nothing in the world for you. Once you give your life to Christ, you are now his purchased possession. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You don't belong to you. Now you belong to God. And everything that you need, you'll find in God. If you wait on God, oh, there's that word again. (laughs) There's that word again. Wait on God. We don't wait. That's got to be a word for somebody here. We don't just be patient, slow down, wait, stop moving. That's why sometimes God's got to, like, remove every crutch. He's got to take everything away. I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost my job. I lost my wife. I lost the kids. I lost a 401k plan. I lost, I got $2.56 in the Wachovia, and, 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 and I got nothing. God sometimes has to get you, like, there. For some people, unfortunately, This is where God has to get you to get your attention. 
because you just won't sit down and wait. When things are not going the way that you think that they should go or that you hope that they should go. Or maybe you want to be married and you want to be with someone and you feel lonely or you need a better job. Whatever it is, whatever, don't stop coming to church. Don't stop coming to church. And that, that's the first thing people do when they go through something. Am I right about it? That's the first thing they do. The first thing they do is they stop coming to church. Hey, man, where you been? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, uh, it's come up. And, man, you know, the kids have hockey. You know, hockey. Hockey's been taking us away every Sunday. We never get to church. How about Wednesday? Well, yeah, well, then there's ballet. <laughs> yeah, well, how about, how about the, the men's study? Well, <laughs> well, I get home at 7.15, and y'all already started. Excuses. Once you get good at making excuses, that's all you're good for. You can do what you want to do. You can do what you set your heart to do. I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. I can do whatever I find is priority in my life. If you want to love God, you can. If you want to serve God, you can. If you want to come to church, you will. If you want to get here on time and worship, you will. If you don't, you won't. That's just as simple as that. God has already equipped you and enabled you. Remember, your destiny is already scripted. All you got to do is walk with God. I said, you don't have to find your destiny. People make it sound like you got to look under every rock and turn every corner and look under behind every bush to find your destiny. Lay hold of my destiny. You don't need to do that. Wait on God. David won't wait. He won't sit down. He won't stop trying to do this in his own flesh. So now he's in Philistine territory. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) Now you're in Philistine territory. What are you doing there? David leaves Nob and he goes to Gath and he's running, which is, like I said, pretty common, even for people in the Bible. I think of Jonah. As he's running from the Lord, he found himself in the belly of a fish. Abraham in Egypt, leaving, lying about his wife, being his sister, so they don't kill him. Lot was living in Sodom among the wicked. Elijah running from Jezebel. He's sitting under a juniper tree and praying that God would kill him. King Nebuchadnezzar is clawing at the ground, eating grass. Daniel chapter 4, Peter is in the courtyard denying the Lord. David is in Gath, a Philistine city. When people run from God, they find themselves in strange places doing strange things. Look at verse 11. 
they see David, and the first thing they say, isn't this the king, the one that the song was written about? Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands, and David was afraid. David was afraid in verse 12 because he knew King Achish wouldn't let him go. Verse 13, he changed his behavior and he began to act like a crazy man, foaming at the mouth and letting spit drip down his beard. Then you might say there's no big deal with that, but listen, in that culture, Any indignity to the beard was considered an insult. I think of Nehemiah. Don't you remember? You know the story. People were marrying pagans and learning the language of the pagans. And Nehemiah got upset and he pulled out their beards. Remember? See, the beard in that day was sacred. Only a man out of his mind would allow spit in his beard. David's plan worked. King Achish said, get this crazy man out of here. Now listen, as we close, I want you to just turn with me to Psalm 56. This is where I'm going to leave you. Psalm 56. This is where I'm going to leave you. Psalm 56. Turn there real quick. Because Psalm 56, if you look at the the beginning of Psalm 56, it says when the Philistines captured David in Gath. You see that? Now, in 1 Samuel, it doesn't tell us that detail. It doesn't tell us that David was captured. It doesn't tell us that detail. But obviously, it happened because Psalm 56 tells us just that. So while a prisoner in Gath, David wrote as a prisoner on his journey from fear to praise. Look at uh, Psalm 56. He says, be merciful. Let's just read a little bit of it. He says, be merciful to me, O God, for man will swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. Keep it in mind, he's in Philistine uh, captivity. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Wherever I am afraid, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I've put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All day they twist my words and their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark their steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Now you understand what David means by wanderings, don't you? You number my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Did you know that God collects your tears? Are they not written in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Look at Psalm 37, 34. Look at Psalm 34. Look at Psalm 34. In Psalm 34, you'll notice it says a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. Same time frame, but Psalm 34 is David's testimony of joy when he escaped from Gath with his life. So Psalm 56 is while he was a prisoner, 
And Psalm 34 is when he escaped. Look at Psalm 34. And it sounds like joy and happiness that I'm out of prison. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. What saints? Together I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked on me on him and they were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what saints. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There's no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and they suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack what? Any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. David's saying, by now, David's like, I've learned so much. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. He's preaching to himself now, isn't he? Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open unto unto our prayers. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them, delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.